Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Confrontation. Man to man. Blitz is defined as a sudden savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz... Come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz. 24-7. I'm getting back on track, though, wherever you're listening, however you're listening. Thank you so much for being along with another ride on the latest episode of the Longhorn Blitz podcast. Get this podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Search Horns 24-7. That is Horns, the number two, the number four, the number seven. All together, no dashes, slashes, or spaces. When you find it, click that follow button. Get every episode of The Blitz when it drops, and then if you'd be so kind, please leave us a five-star review. I've seen some of you have done that, and it doesn't go unnoticed. It does go appreciated by us, so we appreciate it very much. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? In your, I'm doing well. You're Miami Boston prep because you're a daily. You are the daily fantasy guru. You got your color coded charts over there. Have you, uh, have you done any more research to find out if, in fact, Jimmy Butler is Michael Jordan's biological son? <laughs> uh, I have not found that out yet. His number is one less, so maybe one less than him. But I did tell you the stat before the game. Since the Bulls got rid of Jimmy Butler and Fred Hoiberg and him clashed heads. It's been five playoff games for the Bulls as a franchise. I believe 71 now for Jimmy Butler. There you go. Playoff Jimmy. <laughs> Hemi. Yeah, Jimmy. <laughs> Sired by the goat, perhaps? That's uh, <laughs> a conversation for another day. I'm fascinated by that conspiracy theory. A man who loves a good conspiracy theory. Uh, he can talk pop culture or any number of topics. He wears many hats for the Austin Radio Network, most notably co-hosting Ball Don't Lie each and every weekday from 3 to 7 with Mike Harge. But... For the purposes of this podcast, he is our lockdown corner on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice 
of the New York Giants back in 2003, spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas in the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever that team ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Damn good intro, brother. Appreciate it. I do my best. Gentlemen, I want to start with this. This is really the the main thing, and you can get over to Hornets 24-7. We're going to have a football. I, I, actually, to a couple places you can get. You can get over to Hornets 24-7. We've got you know daily updates there on recruiting and team and uh, we're getting into June, so I'm going to start writing football again. It's a lot of baseball right now, but football and, ba- and basketball are always top of mind for me. So you can go over to the site and get your daily updates and any breaking news. Uh, go to hornfm.com. Uh, check out my Longhorn Notebook segments. Uh, plenty of Steve Sarkeesian audio from the Texas Fight Tour stops. Also, Rod, are your rants of the day on? Are they pulled out separately? Uh, no, nah, but you can go get the podcast. Yeah, go check out the rants go, of the day. Go check out Bald Online, uh, and it, most of the time they're Texas football related. If I can help it, support yeah. Rod, support Rod and Hard, support Bald Online, uh, and, and check that out. So, you know, there's there's stuff there that you can get, but I I wanted to focus on on one thing today, and this really just kind of got me down a a rabbit hole, a, a cornucopia of thoughts, if you will, mm-hmm. when I saw this. Athlon Sports, we're at that time of year where your preseason publications are getting ready to come out. Yeah. Athlon Sports uh, released their preseason All-America teams and the preseason All-Big 12 teams. Now, the preseason All-America teams, you've got a few Longhorns on there, and I don't think it would surprise anybody which Longhorns are on there. Um, No Longhorns on the first team at all. But you go to the second team, Xavier Worthy, Mm -hmm. Kelvin Banks on the second team. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's it for the second team. On the third team, you've got J.T. Sanders at tight end. Uh, you've got Jalen Ford as a third-team linebacker. I probably would have had him higher than the third team, but I'm not working for yeah, Athlon. Yeah, he's been getting so. a lot of disrespect this offseason. I noticed that, too. You think it's still that? And we'll, Actually, I'm going to hold that thought because I'm going to yeah. get to something else here in, in just a second that I think jives with that. See, this is, it's the cornucopia. You're adding to the cornucopia, Rod. I yeah. appreciate it. Uh, then you go to the fourth team offense and defense. I don't know why you need a fourth team All American, but yeah, whatever. I'll say, hey, for uh, Rod B's of the world, that's why. Damn it, give it a fourth team All American. Uh, Throw it out there, please. Mm-hmm. Athlon <laughs> Sports has Byron Murphy and Jalen Catalan listed as fourth team All Americans yeah, in the preseason. Day, what you go to <laughs> the All Big intro? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, not for fourth and third team All Americans. Where would Rod B be? Well, you know it's what true. It's true. <laughs> But you go to uh, the all Big Twelve team that Athlon has, and you know you, you, the first team is some of X Man, J T Sanders, Kelvin Banks is on the first team, Byron Murphy, Jalen Ford, Jalen Catalan, Keelan Robinson is a kick returner. You go down to the second team, Christian Jones on the offensive line is on the second team, Devondre Sweat, Baron Sorrell, uh, Burt Auburn, second team kicker. But you got to go all the way down to the third team defense. Before you get to Jade Barron, mm. and and they they don't okay. Athlon does it weird. They have a you know let me count the number of DBs because they go safeties corners and then they have less like DBs listed. So they have for sure one two three four uh, five six seven eight. Rodder, there there are eight defensive backs in this conference better than Jade Barron, are there? In the Big Twelve yeah. right now, yeah. I wouldn't say so. No, not in my opinion, but. I mean, who? I mean, I, I don't know exactly who they have there, but I, I would say since you know, if you would have had maybe this last class that just left, because you had several guys I think who are going to play in the NFL from this this class that are pretty good. Um, but 
I, I would have him in the top eight, but like I said, we don't know how it's going to shake out. Is he the best defensive back in the Texas secondary? Yes. In your opinion? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think he probably is too. Because yeah. we, we talked about the Terrence Brooks factor. Like we just – it, it probably, in terms of just talent, it probably is Terrence Brooks, but in terms of being a proven commodity, we just haven't seen it yet. Over well, a whole over a whole season. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wasn't even like even throwing him out. There. I like Terrence Brooks, but I I wouldn't say right now he's in that conversation yeah. with the best. Yeah, the best. Yeah, right. Ryan Watts is a guy, but for me, Ryan Watts is. I don't want to be disrespectful. He is. Um, he's he's really good, great even, um, with a a specific task, um, which you're asking him to do on that boundary side, yeah. which is disrupt and throw off the timing of the route and make sure you get your hands on receivers and reroute them. Yeah. And But like I said, I, I worry about him sometimes once the wide receiver is into the route downfield, once they get vertical, about him being able to sink his hips and get in and out of breaks. Uh, I'm not the only one who's had that concern. I heard Michael Griffin talk about it too. He thinks he's a safety actually at the next level. Mm-hmm. But I digress. I think he's really good at that. But in terms of all-around five-tool DB, that all-around skill set, yeah. Um, I wouldn't put him there. I just think he's he's your best bump and run corner. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Um, and Jaron Thompson is, you know, he's the vet there. He's the older guy. He's the guy that should be the air traffic controller in that secondary because he's been there longer than anybody else. Um, but, I mean, I, I wouldn't say he's more versatile of a DB than Jade Barron. I put Jade Barron at the outside corner. Obviously, we know he can play the nickel. And, hell, like I said, even th- this year – they should play more three high safety. They they saw I saw them sprinkle it in like during that tech game, you know, a few times. Yeah. But hell, now you at you're deep at the safety position with with Jalen Catalan and Keaton Crawford and Jaron Thompson. And hell, they used Jay Barron in that role last year. I he could do that too. So he's probably the most versatile and the most effective at all those different spots. I think if there's anybody that you'd say would be better than Jaday Barron in that secondary, it would be Catalan. But the caveat with Catalan, obviously, is yes, and it, if I he's wouldn't even count him because yeah. he hadn't played with Texas yeah. yet. But I wouldn't count him. Yeah, if you want to count him, then I'd say, yes, he's better than yeah. Jaday Barron. It's kind of like I, I had to – I was talking about this on, on Light the Tower today. Uh, kind of went – I was just doing some random Cowboys thinking, and I was thinking about Tyron Smith. And, you know, there was a lot of buzz going into the offseason with the Cowboys going to – say goodbye to Tyron Smith. Yeah. And it's not that Tyron Smith isn't a productive player. When he's on the field, he's still really good. Oh, of course. It's just the when he's on the field part of that is becoming a bigger issue (laughs) as he gets older. And with Jalen Catalan, it's not a matter of talent. It's not a matter of scheme fit because, hell, Rod, you know, he can fit into any scheme you want him to, whether he's a nickel or a middle field safety, boundary safety, whatever, however you want to use him. Uh, He could even play some corner. Doesn't matter how you use him, he he can play and play at a really high level. It's just can he stay healthy? Um, but you know, the first team, it's it's kind of hard to argue with who they have as their first team DBs. I mean, Kendall Daniels at Oklahoma State, Jalen Catalan, uh, and that's a reputation alone. And a lot of these are just yeah. looking at numbers too. Well, uh, that's what I was gonna say. Most of the time these things are just based off yeah. of who had the most numbers, even if numbers that are aren't even good, like say D B tackles could be viewed as something that's actually negative because you aren't covering the guy well. Yet yeah. you'll see people with a high amount of tackles be valued high in preseason. That, that's how I always knew growing up. That's how I always knew you had a bad defense. If your safety was your leading tackler and he had like 100-plus tackles, you knew you were probably a bad defense. Yeah. 
Well, most of the time, it yeah. depends on how they use their safeties. Like yeah. the Cowboys use the three high safe. They use three safeties, so yeah. they move their safeties around a ton. This was back in the day when I was covering Baylor. But like, no, you're right about like that. Maurice Lane had 135 yeah. tackles. Well, yeah, and you were dog ass on defense all year. And I love Maurice Lane. Yeah, but. yeah. A lot of times, like corner tackles that. doesn't really matter if you're looking at what corners do. But then, like, I guarantee if you look in preseason polls, guys that have higher numbers get the benefit of the doubt ahead of guys that don't have the higher numbers. But the two corners that got here, Josh Newton at TCU, a really good player last year. Yep. Kobe mm-hmm. Bryant at Kansas was a really good player. Uh, on the second team, TJ Tampa at Iowa State, Malik Dunlap at Tech, Kobe Savage at K-State, Aubrey Burks at West Virginia. You can't tell me any of those guys for sure are better than Jade Barron. Yeah, I think you're just kind of going off uh, kind of some of the things, factors Matt brought up. But like I said, it's good for Jade Barron. He, he didn't. I, I don't want to see him, you know, satisfied or complacent. He should be hungry. Light um, another fire. Yeah, because yeah. he's a guy that's got first team all Big Twelve potential. Had Eleven and a half tackles for loss last year. His instincts are uh, un, un, they really are unbelievable. Like he, mm-hmm. you can tell that he watches a ton of film and that he believes he believes all of his keys and his cues, which can be dangerous. I will warn you if I am scouting Jade Barron. Man, I'm double moving Jade Barron all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or I'm doing against the wide receiver screening go, which UTSA actually got Texas on early on. Yeah. Um, I I see a ton of that. The screening go, hitching go, double moves, out and ups. He's just so aggressive. And he's great at it, but I, I think that's just kind of the natural progression of trying to exploit really aggressive players. I mean, Trayvon Diggs took him in the NFL. Uh, last or two years ago, when he was jumping all those routes, yeah, he was getting a lot of picks, but he was also getting beat deep a ton. Yeah, because teams were like, "All right, well, if you're gonna jump the route, he'll win his, but we're gonna win one or two. And they kept taking their chances, and you'll win one or two with aggressive players. And what they they plan on is that you know being able to exploit your aggressiveness will make you less aggressive, and you'll back off of it. What you want to as a as a coach, you want to encourage them to continue to be aggressive. Like, don't lose that. You got yeah. it. You're gonna get beat anyway. Everybody gonna get beat. Yeah. All right. You rather get beat making plays, and you'll make more plays than you give up. So that'll be the challenge for Coach Gideon and for Terry Joseph. Like, no, 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 no. Don't lose it, man. You got it. You're gonna get beat. I guarantee you. Yeah. We're gonna warm back to his pocket. I'm like, I told y'all, you don't get beat. That's all right. But that's just because he's so aggressive, but he's gonna make more plays and he gives up ultimately. And those are the sort of the signs of like when you can tell that you're not only facing a well coached team, but if you really have a well coached team and how that they can sort of expect the opponents are going to mm-hmm. see those keys and do things to then, you know, make you maybe be vulnerable. But if you can sort of counteract that, like the same thing, Eric Spolstra is doing it right now in the Miami Heat, where you wow. see Jimmy Butler on one side, they'll clear out, and that's how it was for the first two games. Mm-hmm. And then you would see Boston adjust and really spread out, try to cover the other side. So what they do last game, they started making Bam Adebayo crash the lane. He'd be pulling in multiple defenders and get in the backside of the play multiple threes because he knew how they were going to counteract what he was doing. Mm-hmm. So then they come and counteract what they're doing, and that's sort of the battle that you can get, especially when you have a player like Barron that, you know, you're reading those keys and know teams are going to try to make you vulnerable. But then if you have your safeties in connection with that player and try to make it to where the team defense can be aware of those scenarios or your player's strength that they may be viewed as vulnerable and still be able to capitalize upon it. Yeah. 
Ron, I, I want to turn the strength into a weakness. Yeah, I, I, love, I, just, I know we talked a lot of secondary last week, but I just I have a, a, a secondary question, and it might be a dumb question, but I want to pick your brain on it regardless. Because I remember when when we first started when we first started this show, we were coming off of we we're coming off of Shockey Brown's time at Texas, and you admitted you were yeah you were not a big Shockey Brown fan. Uh, well, I like Shockey Brown. He just had really bad really eyes. Really bad eyes. Yeah. And Mikel Thompson was another that. Uh, we said, did you said he had really bad, bad eyes? eyes. Yes. Yeah, it turns out Mikel's was a different. He legitimately <laughs> yeah, had bad yeah, eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His was field. vision, though. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, I remember that. When you're breaking down tape, can you tell the difference? Can you spot the difference between a guy that has bad eyes and bad instincts versus a guy that just is over aggressive? Yeah, I think so. Um, Does it, and and is that, that that line get blurred maybe sometimes? Um, or is it thin? It, it can be, but I I think for uh, guys who are just really aggressive, like I said, they end up making more plays or as many plays as they give up. You, ultimately, I think if you've got enough of a sample size, the guy with the bad eyes, you're going to see it show up more uh, on tape, and he'll end up basically being exploited or giving up more plays than he makes. Okay. I just think that's the way it comes with you got bad eyes. That's how I just think. Like, man, you got bad eyes. You got great instincts. You're going to make it more those plays because your instincts, after a while, if you're continually getting burned all right, on the same play, you'll, yeah. you'll adapt and evolve. You're yeah. a great player. All right, that out and up won't get you again because you'll use the upfield shoulder as your key. You're like, all right, you know what? I'm going to jump it, but I'm jumping. The, I'm jumping with the upfield shoulder. So I might not be able to get the pick to the house, but at least I'll get the PBU. But if I, if it is an out and up, mm-hmm. he's got to run into me and run through yeah. me. You 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 adapt. You're a great yeah. player. That's what you do, and th- that's kind of really the kind of the slight difference between. Oh, he's got really bad eyes, and not nah, man. The guy's just really really aggressive and. That's, to me, that would be the difference. But hell, I'm sure like every, every coach has that. Yeah, own. I just you know I, I ask because I think for you know the common fan when the ball's in the air, if the DB's not in place, you're like, oh, he must have read something wrong, or his eyes are bad. But like like we talked about in the case of Ryan Watts, Ryan Watts might get beat deep because it's just a physical limitation in his skill set that he doesn't have. Yeah, yeah. I just think for Ryan Watts, once you know you're past the line of scrimmage on him, then you're into the weaker part of his game. Yeah. And so as a player, that's what he's got to improve on, right? He honestly his his play at the line of scrimmage is great, but once somebody's around Ryan Watts down the field, that's what he's got to work on: sinking his hips, getting out of his breaks. Uh, you know, whether he's going to flip his hips or open his hips, like those those things when there's a six route or somebody's trying to get inside of his leverage. So those are just things. I mean, he's, he'll, he'll figure that stuff. I think he's a good player, a really good player. So I think he'll figure that kind of stuff out. But like I said, it, for, if you got bad eyes as a player, it you, you will be exposed. Okay. I mean, that's why Shockey Brown, did he make more plays or did he give up more plays? He gave up more plays. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's just what it is. If you got bad, if you got bad eyes, ultimately that's not instincts you're working with. You're just staring into the backfield, and every now and then, it, you know, what I mean, it, even a, a broken clock is wrong twice a day, right? You end up making a couple of plays because you were staring in the backfield. Quarterback didn't see your bad eyes, and the quarterback made a bad read or made a bad, you know, pre-snap diagnosis, whatever it is. But if you got great instincts, really good instincts, like I tell you, guys like Nathan Vasher. Ultimately, your instincts will adapt to the circumstance and situation. So they're picking on you because you're so aggressive. Trust me, Nasty Nate would make the proper adjustments. So, yeah. so here's the basically in a nutshell, the difference is the guy with the bad eyes. He's going to keep getting beat by the same stuff because his eyes are just bad. Yeah. And he's he's not capable of making the adjustment. Whereas the guy that's just over aggressive and relying on good instincts. 
he'll make the, the same things not going to beat him multiple times. He'll yeah. adjust at some point. He'll make, yeah, he, he may still want to peek in the backfield, but he's like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to take my three-step read. Like I said, I'll adjust my angle to the football. I will – or, you know what, I, some some corners like my boy Nasty Nate, maybe they were playing bump. He's like, no, no, I'm going to play off. Give myself a little bit of a cushion, mm-hmm. so that I, you know, what I mean, it just it just depends on how everybody's skill set is a little bit differently. I but like I said, to me, it, you, you use DB, you got to make more plays than you give up. If you're giving up more plays than you make, then I'm sorry. Then your inst- if you if you're still relying on instincts, you got bad instincts. Then yeah. you shouldn't be relying on your instincts. <laughs> right. You got good instincts if you're making more plays on the ball. Like I said, everybody's going to end up getting beat. And then that's how also like being somebody that just technically sound can make up. Like if say you don't have the foot speed to make up a play, you just aren't gifted physically like that. But mm-hmm. if you're somebody that like like you were saying always takes the right step and understands how to flip your hips in the right scenario and do all those things. That was, that's how a player like Quandre can play so fast because he does everything so right that he doesn't lose. Too. Exactly. You don't lose that split second hesitating. You don't have one wrong foot that's going to cause you to then have to change direction the wrong way. If you do all those few technically sound things, it can make you then – Make have actual recovery speed more so than a guy that say has that foot speed, but if he's not doing all those things technically sound, you can't make that up. So like, there's all those grounds in between yeah. where you can actually do that. Agreed. And like Quandre, I, I'm sure somebody listening to this will go find something that I'm missing, but off the top of my head, the only time I can really remember Quandre like getting beat soundly in a game Beta. was that T. Well, that T. I remember that TCU game his his senior year where it was just. They were just throwing the ball up to Josh Doxson. He was guard, he was covering Doxson on the outside at corner, and they were just throwing the ball up to him. I thought I remember Baylor them just lighting. I think up his too. I think his freshman year yeah, against Baylor, Baylor yeah. they were just they were just throwing it deep and they had all that speed. They yeah. was kind of little. When that, that was, they still had Kendall Wright and yeah, Terrence, they Terrence they Williams. Yeah. I remember that, but you're right. I mean, it, was, it wasn't very often that yeah. teams exploited his you know lack of size. And that, ba- had, that Baylor offense, they were completing deep balls at like just an absurd rate at the time. Yeah, and, and yet it was so, they probably the most accurate deep ball team in the country. Yeah, they were, yeah. Had to be. So. Yeah, yeah close to it anyway. It was crazy. Yeah. Uh, but, okay, I just I wanted to t- kind of talk to yeah, you. Yeah, I think it's – like I said, it's, I think it's it's a subtlety. It's a subtle thing. I'm sure, like, an actual coach would be able to give you, like, a very technical definition of the difference. But, you know, to me, I, like I said, you don't want to – I'm from the oh, I'm from the Coach Aquino School of, D, of DB coaching where I, I don't want to mess with too much. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to go in if if you got great instincts, we'll just let you go with your instincts. I'll provide you with some tools mm-hmm. so that you can you know accentuate your skill set so that you have more options to solve problems. But if you are just a natural DB and you're good at it, why the hell am I gonna go in you're and try to you're not gonna overcoach everything? it? Don't yeah, yeah, oh yeah, don't complicate the process. Now, some guys do need you to rework everything. Yeah. Some guys, oh man, the guy can just cover. Yeah. Like, like I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna let him go. Like if he's I know his stance may be a little bit funky, but if it works for him, man, it works for him. But if his stance is hurting him, if he's yeah. getting beat, if he's locking his hips yeah. because of his stance, all right, let's tweak the stance. Yeah. But hell, when I go coach young DBs, I go, man, let me show you what show me what you got. And then we'll work from there. We'll actually work backwards and reverse engineer the whole thing. Why'd you get beat? What were the, okay? So you got beat because you were out, you were out of phase. All right, how do we get you back in phase? How did you get out of phase? All right, you weren't on the hip. Why were you on the hip? Well, because you got beat in the line of scrimmage because you locked your hips. Like and then work backwards rather than all right. This is how. And when we talked about this with with Coach Ash, right? He was so rigid mm-hmm. and telling his DBs you got to do it this way. Yeah. And DBs kept getting beat on yeah. the deep ball. And it's like it's because they they're trying to 
do it exactly how Coach said do thinking it. too much, yeah. Everybody's got their own way of playing it. Guy knows how to play D-ball, let him play it. Yeah, I think I think of that, and granted, look, the guy I'm going to mention was one of the very best to do it at his craft. I heard Pete Rose on Fox one time talk about hitting. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, when you're in a slump, like, you know, you, Rod, I know you do a show with hard, so you hear a lot of baseball talk. You're like, well, you need to change your swing. You need to change this. And Pete Rose goes, no, no, no. When you're in a funk, it's like there's there's six things you can change. You can step up to the plate, mm-hmm. step back from the plate, step up, step up in the box, step back in the box, <laughs> choke up on the bat, choke down on the bat. He's like, your swing is your swing. Your swing got you to the big leagues. Exactly. Your swing is not the problem. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. That's a great point. Your swing is not the problem. Yeah. Yeah, it was like you're a good. And enough. again, it's one thing for Pete Rose to say that, but, but I you totally know. agree. Yeah, it's about over, don't overthink it. It's like it goes back to you know, be coachable, don't be a robot. It's like, nah, man, no, you're still an athlete. You're still yeah. an athlete out there. You still got to go be an athlete and let your instincts actually ultimately take over. You're not thinking when you're yes. making your best plays in football. Yeah. Everybody knows that, and you don't you're, want to be reaction. thinking. That's hesitating whenever <laughs> yeah. you do that. So you don't want to yeah. blur those things yeah. and cloud the mind of a player so he can't play as free. Yeah, it's muscle memory. It's reaction. Yes, you know. You're thinking you're pre-snap diagnosing everything, but man, your best plays. Every every player will tell you, "Now, nah, man, I I really kind of just saw it. I I knew the opportunity to be there, but me actually making the accurate throw or me, um, you know, cutting and deciding to flip my hips. That was all muscle memory and just natural reaction. Uh, I want to go to offense, Rod, and, and I, again, I don't know if you've thought about thought this far ahead. Is there a way you'd like to see the targets distributed? Because I don't think because now that Jatavian Sanders has a full year where he's been a proven commodity and he's going to enter the year as one of the best tight ends in the country, mm-hmm. uh, I just, I, he'd be probably on a lot of first team All American lists if Brock Bowers wasn't returning to Georgia. But such is life. Yeah. Um, but you know we've seen Sark go real heavy on three, four guys. He did that at Alabama. He's done that his first few years at Texas. Would you like to see that distributed more, or do you just want it to hey? Just have a competition in camp, and whoever the top four or five guys are, those are going to be your guys that gobble up the bulk of the targets. Yeah, he's not going to change. I don't think. I don't all. think so. And, uh, and I, I don't want him to change. I mean, he, he's one. Of his, he's got his four or five top guys, and that's who he's going to funnel all the targets to. Um, I, I, just, I do think that instead of you know, kind of starting and really the genesis of your passing game this year, instead of it being. Xavier Worthy and kind of working backwards was what I think he did most of the time last mm-hmm. year. I do think, and, 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 Z, and X-Man can get the same amount of targets, I do think you should go through JT Sanders. Yes, we talked game. about that, yeah. I, I do think he should be your first feature in the passing game. Trust me, Xavier Worthy is going to get ton of a ton of targets. And he'll get, he should get fewer targets, honestly, a little, probably, I don't know, maybe Eight, nine to eight to ten less targets or fewer targets, and he should be more productive with those fewer targets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Looking at X Man now into his junior year, last year he had more targets and was less productive. Yeah, that is not what you want at all. Um, I do think JT Sanders is easier to find mismatches and matchup advantages across the board. Whoever is matched up on JT Sanders, it's Ninety percent likely that it's a matchup advantage in your favor. His yeah. catch percentage year over year, Worthy's dropped by eight percent. Oh yeah, it was sixty point two in twenty twenty one. He was fifty two point two last year. Exactly. And it, yeah, to yeah. your point, Rod, sixty two catches on one hundred and three targets last year was fifty nine on one thirteen. Exactly. And listen, X Man is great. I mean, I, I love me some Xavier Worthy. He's going. He's got. He'd be drafted potentially in the first round. 
Um, he's got that kind of potential. Um, but I do think last year there were too many predetermined force-fed throws to Xavier Worthy, and we know that's just Sark. He just he loves once he gets obsessed with a receiver. Like I said, but we talked about the role for Xavier Worthy changed when Isaiah Nayer went down, mm-hmm. and he was typecast into being the deep threat, which made him a lot less efficient mm-hmm. overall as a receiver, and he couldn't be the deep threat and the featured wide receiver. And it's just, like I said, it's easier to just take away a wide receiver. You can put a safety over the top. You can put your best uh, cover man on him unless you move him around. It's just it's easier to take him away, and there's a better chance that your best wide receiver will be matched up on a their best cover guy or one of their best cover guys. JT Sanders will be matched up on most of them a linebacker or a safety, and those guys don't cover as well yeah. as corners and nickelbacks and slot corners. So to me, I would start the the passing game with that guy. That also kind of helps you with you know the the intermediate. It will keep Stark from being obsessed and fixated with the deep ball. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying JT Sanders can't go deep, but I think it'll help the quarterback get in the rhythm early on. I agree. Um, you know, it, it, I, I went and did some research on Xavier Worthy because I was thinking about man how because he has been really, really he was really inefficient of the 30 most targeted FBS wide receivers. Third lowest completion percentage when targeting Xavier Worthy. Um, lowest single season uh, receiving yards. Third lowest yards per target. Fewest receiving yards per game. Damn. Yep. And you hit it, it on it, it there. It, it was Because it, you were force feeding the football too much. And you have other targets. X-Man can get his. But I think this should be the year you feature JT Sanders, who's on the verge potentially of being the best tight end in the history of Texas football. Yeah. And all he needs is a little bit of attention mm-hmm. in that offense next year. And by the way, Texas hadn't had a 5-2 tight end since, what, David, Tom, Jermichael Finley? Yep. That's I wouldn't it. even say I would. I, I to me, JT Sanders is a better blocker. He might be than, than J. Mike was. And, and I don't disagree yeah. with that. I, I don't. I don't know if your Michael Finley listens to the show. I know he follows us on on the socials and I love uh, stays stays dialed in. Yeah. Uh, so I, I love your Michael Finley, but yeah, I, I think probably you'd have to go back to David Thomas. David Thomas would be the last time Texas had a legit five tool tight. And, and and honestly, in terms of being a vertical threat, Rod, it yeah, might be a healthy. Okay. It might be a healthy Bo Scaife. That was really the last true legit five tool tight end that could do everything. Yeah, you had two of them there with him and David Thomas, mm-hmm. and I mean that was a that offense was built around them. They yep. ran a lot of twelve personnel. Ton of it. I mean that shows just the talent that we saw from Sanders being a guy that at first it was like offense or defense, and then it ends up being his first year of productivity at the D one level, oh and he's able to do that and put up those type of numbers. But you hit on it, Rod. Like the inefficiency that we saw from Worthy, I would say is a product of the offense more so than it is of the player. Because we always individualize player statistics, but a lot of the time player statistics are products of the offense. Sometimes the player can make the offense appear to be better Mm -hmm. than the offense actually is. And there can go the other way that you can have products of the offense and you can have a guy be inefficient, but it's because the offense Mm -hmm. had certain deficiencies and things that they need to improve on. So I think this one airs more on the side of Xavier Worthy was sort of the victim of the inefficient offense. I agree with that. Yeah. I I hope that the targets – I hope that the targets do get spread out a little bit because, and we saw where Sark had to funnel usage when you look at the target distribution last year. Mm-hmm. Worthy led you with 113. Then you've got JT Sanders at 72, Jordan Whittington at 72, and then fourth was Bijan at 29. Yeah. So you, it's it's really 
one, and then there's a pretty sizable gap between uh, kind of one and then the guys tied for second, and then there's a sizable gap between those guys tied for second and number four. I yeah. do think because you have to Isaiah Nia, your injury, that was big, and then Bijan's presence alone just being – the you know multi-faceted player that he is, Sark should use him more in the passing game. He zero targets versus TCU mm-hmm. uh, for Bijan, so he should have been used more in the passing game. Um, but I, I I think that this year you will have because he's got listen Jay Witt. If he doesn't use more of Jay Witt this year and his targets don't go up, that's a dang coaching mistake. All right, that would be a miscalculation by him. We all assume JT Sanders is going to get more targets too, um, and we assume that AD Mitchell, AD Mitchell's going to get his, going to get his as well on the outside. Where are you taking those from? I think you take them from Bijan and the running backs, of course, but you take a little bit of them away from X Man. I mean, X-Man's targets went up last year. Like I said, he was less productive. X-Man, his, his targets actually should be dropping s- like s- subtly yeah. every year, but the productivity should be going up. Yeah, more yards, you- more touchdowns. You know, but fewer targets. As well, you know what I mean? Like, because he is, he should be weaponized in that fashion. He should be featured. But last year, he was typecast as the deep guy slash feature. Too much of a burden on him. Let him be. Let him be the guys featured. Now you got a deep threat in Ad Mitchell or Isaiah Nayar, which one ever's back. And then you got two guys you can feature in the passing game. Now you got JT Sanders and X Man. I'll yeah. give you. I'll give you the Alabama numbers in 2019 when Sark had those four first round wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to say that this group is going to yes. be that group, but so got to make that caveat because some some people will take what I'm saying, Rodney. Like, oh, Jeff said that. I said, oh, you don't have four first round wide receivers. No, it's not no, what no. I said. <laughs> if you look at the target distribution that year, Jerry Judy at 108. So if you're if we're, what you're talking about with X Men, he's in that 100 to 110, not going yes. above that. Yeah. Devontae Smith at 88, Henry Ruggs at 55, and then Jalen Waddle at 40. Mm. Those were your top four. Yeah. Uh, your next wide receiver was that's just how stupid loaded that offense was. John Mechie only got eight targets. Yeah, because Najee Harris got Najee Harris got thirty three targets. And yeah, to your wild. point right there, when that's you look crazy. at just the target shares across the board, if you were to just look how it's dispersed, because Rod, you pointed it out, just like the amount that Worthy had. Worthy now the team had three hundred eighty one total, but Worthy had one thirteen. Then JT exactly seventy two, Jordan Whittington exactly seventy two. Then when you add up Bijan Keelan, more than I thought for Jay Wood. And then when you yeah. add up Bijan Keelan and Roshan, exactly seventy two. So we're wow. talking seventy two seven to Whoa. those three running backs, seventy two to Witt, hmm. seventy two to JT, and then one thirteen to Worthy. And that sort of just shows like Worthy almost playing the two roles that he was because normally your deep threat mm-hmm. guy. Is a guy that's less amount yeah, of yeah, yeah. normally it's like he, he got, gets you. he gets like fifty percent of the targets as of the other receivers. So if yeah, you give Worthy had his seventy two, but then that you was also, Waddle and Rugs in that offense for Bama, and, and they were at forty. If and you 50 have forty target. that yeah. or thirty nine that go mm-hmm. over with that were the deep threat. So it's just like he had the load of two receivers once Nayor went out. Yeah. No, it's just because it's interesting because Sarkis said the tight end position is the most, is the second most important position in his offense behind quarterback. Those are his words. And yet he hasn't really had a tight end that he has weaponized within an offense and featured. Uh, but like I said, Sark is evolving. He also never really weaponized 21 personnel until last year and got deep into it because he's like, no, no, I got Bijan and I got Rojo. Mm-hmm. So when you got, right, you got elite. Tools and he said also on the record, I change my offense every year. 
every year, like, you know, the philosophy and everything pretty much remains the same. But I look at all the pieces, and then I start to build my offense based on the pieces that I have. That is him on the record on that Pivot podcast. So this year, there's no doubt I expect JT Sanders to be, and hell, he might have already been. I haven't looked at Sark's tight ends. I'm going to go back and look at it. He should be the most prolific tight end ever in a Sark offense. Uh, Austin Safarian yeah. Jenkins of Washington okay. would probably be it. Okay, yeah. he should, Honestly, JT Sanders should just throwing it out there. Just gonna, based on the weapons that yeah. Texas has and the you know the lack of a running game, where he is now in kind of the hierarchy of the passing game. And like I said, man, Texas, we te- the tight end position has been an endangered species on the 40 acres for, like I said, going back to, you know, Jermichael Finley and David Thomas and Bo Scape. Man, that was a long, long time ago. So Texas, really, the part of the offensive identity crisis for Texas, a little bit of it has been the lack of a 5-2 tight end. And the crazy part about it, they've actually produced some NFL-caliber tight ends because they were so good at one specific role or blocking or they were projects like a Tyrone Swoops, and we know that you know projects at tight end, the NFL loves those kind of developmental projects. But for Texas – Man, the tight end – and it's crazy. Tom Herman was so obsessed with the tight end position. He recruited the hell out of it, but he just collected them like little dolls. Like, it was weird. My my dog co- doesn't, like, tear up any of the the, the toys that we give her. Got she it. just kind of yeah, daintily carries them around and just places them everywhere. And then she just collects them, and she never destroys them, so she, they just continue to accumulate. Hoarder. And, yes, and that was that, – that was, that, that was pretty much Tom Herman. He would hoard tight ends for some reason, but he never used them. And the, the truth is the tight end position can fuse your philosophies it can fuse the and this is why tight that's why i know sark likes it i love my research it fuses the power ideology with your spread philosophy yes it it is the way is it's probably one of the only fuse it if you got a, a freakish back like a Bijan robinson you can do it too but you really can't do it with a lot of other positions the tight end position naturally fuses it for you if you got a real five tool tight end and sark has it now and you know i was reading this article uh, about this strange about endangered species about the gray wolf in Yellowstone because I become obsessed with like national parks because I'm kind of a nerd. But they 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 basically reintroduced the, oh it's the, crazy yes the, they changed re- the whole ecosystem they reintroduced the gray wolf into the Yellowstone like 25 years ago and they found that it basically had this domino effect. So without the wolves, the coyotes kind of ran everything, but the elk population like doubled and tripled. Mm-hmm. It exploded. And they they were grazing on all the willows, the willows and the aspens, all right, that they usually would graze would graze on. They went crazy, uh, and they were grazing on those. And without the trees and the songbirds, because they were overgrazing on all the willows, all right, they basically they declined as well. And the beavers didn't have the willows and the aspens to help build their dams. Mm-hmm. And the dams turns out they the shade from the dams would cool off the water. So the water temperatures in Yellowstone were rising as well. All of this because they were eradicated the gray wolf, and it was a damn near endangered, damn near extinct species in Yellowstone. They found out just reintroducing the the gray wolf, it had that type of effect. Where it moved damn. the earth. It, it, it changed everything. It literally everything. moved the earth there. It's it, unbelievable. The dude. streams, I've seen the exact yeah. same uh, report on it. My mom had me send it out to my whole family. Like before last Mother's Day, it changed the whole ecosystem and caused the streams everything. to move the earth that then ended yeah. up growing things to where it's it crazy. wouldn't look the same. Oh, and man. then it's only because of the reintroduction of the wolves. Yeah, no, it, it's crazy. Like I would encourage anybody to Google it. We didn't do it justice. But my point is that's the tight end. 
reintroducing the tight end position is like reintroducing the Grey Wolf into Yellowstone, reintroducing into the Texas football, into the Texas offense. It can have that type of effect if you utilize it and weaponize it the correct way. And I think Sark is the mind to do it. And I hope, and I, cause he's on the verge of breaking all the damn, you know, all the records anyway. I mean, he's got last year, JT Sanders, 54 receptions, most by a tight end in single season in program history, 613 yards, second all-time in single season. I mean, he can break he can break all of these records. Most receiving yards in a single season, 637. He can easily break that. Most receiving uh, yards in a game is 149. I can see him breaking that. Most receiving yards in a in a career, 1367. Hell, man, one more good season, he breaks that. Most receiving uh, touchdowns in a career, 15. Hell, last year he had five. I don't know if he can get 10 this year, but. Yeah. My point is, he's already close to being an all-time great tight end in Texas. Push him over the top. This year, if he doesn't finish this year as the greatest tight end in Texas football history statistically, I will be disappointed in Sark. So I just went and looked at Sark's most productive tight ends. I went and looked at 2016 Alabama because Sark was the analyst that year with Lane mm-hmm. Kiffin as the OC, and Sark did call plays for that uh, national championship game before he went to the NFL. O.J. Howard only had like 40-something targets that year. It was like, no, it was like, it was like around 68 targets that year because he had 45 catches. Yeah, so 72 actually is a lot. What did he get this year, uh, Matt? 70 something? 72. 72 targets. So maybe that's a lot in Sark's offense for a tight end. Uh, I think it, it should be as many, if not more, next year. I don't have if the... anybody's interested in the Wolves, I just retweeted it so they can actually <laughs> Nice. It. Yes. No, it is, it's great. It's fascinating. I don't have the target numbers in front of me, but looking at Austin Safarian Jenkins with Sark at Washington uh, in 2011, 41 catches for 538 and six touchdowns. 2012, his best year, 69 catches, 852 yards, and seven touchdowns. And then in 2013, uh, 36 catches for 450 and eight touchdowns. I'll pull up the targets yeah. real quick. So, I mean, like I said, he's already probably one of the more prolific tight ends that Sark has had. So I'm yeah. not, so I'm not going to hate on Sark. Even he, in the NFL, yeah. the two years he was at Atlanta, Austin Hooper, I think, had 86 targets in 2018. Okay. And – that's it. That's Austin that's Hooper. the most. That's the most I can find okay. for a Sark tight end. All right. So well, that's that's around the number we're looking for. Yeah. For J T. Sanders. That, that makes sense though. Going from seventy two to eighty six. That's another. He's the best tight end in the conference. Yeah. That's another what? Uh, yeah. four, Fourteen targets. And I think you should be taking away like four or five from X Man. If you think about move it, that that's over only, to JT. Only, Take four or five from Bijan. Move that over to JT. It's only one extra target a game. Yeah, much. Say, it's not that yeah. crazy when yeah. you're, if you're if he's featured, which yeah. he yeah. should be. And it's pretty big if you look because I look at, pulled up the target share. So seventy two targets would be eighteen point nine percent is the target share, which is pretty high for a tight end. That is pretty. If you high. look at uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins, his targets because you have implied targets too, which involves some throwaways. Let's not even use implied targets, just direct targets. He had ninety six in two thousand twelve, which is a twenty five point eight percent target share. And two years before, the year before was fifty one. The year after was. 53. Okay. So, so we're looking for, you, what, we're looking for 22 to, to 25%. Uh, it's a, I just have a spreadsheet that oh, I geez. sent us all. Yeah, but it just has all the college targets. He's awesome, man. That's, yeah. that's amazing. He's like, oh, I just got some. Oh, I just have pulled that. the John Harris targets from a few weeks ago. Now, that was a hell of a pull. Yeah, <laughs> pull yes. up the John Harris targets? Any targets? You this sick was, mofo. It was, uh, <laughs> I'll give credit out to a different Matt that lives in Wisconsin. <laughs> so Matt Gajeski, a guy on Twitter that does daily fantasy stuff for college that's football. Crazy. 
during quarantine <laughs> in 2020. He just made an entire target share list of players from 2011 to 2020. You can look up any target shares. Wow! Oh hell, yep. you didn't have yeah. anything. You didn't have anything else to do. Shout out, random Matt on yep. the show. Man, yep. There you go, another Matt. <laughs> um, Fantastic. I do want to get to two things, uh, Rod. I was thinking about this. I want to go back to the defense real quick while we got about 10 minutes left. When we started this podcast, we talked about the nickel position being the most important position defensively in the Big 12 at the time. Mm-hmm. Has, it, has it waned in terms of importance to you? And, and, and I thought about it from this standpoint, too. Yeah. When you look at the teams running the three-safety defense, mm-hmm. like Iowa State does and TCU does, the middle safety in the three-safety defense almost has the same importance in terms of responsibilities that the nickel in a base nickel defense used to have. I agree with that. Yeah, and depending on how many teams are running it this year, got to do some research. But, yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. It's crazy that it just, what, probably five or six years, I don't know, probably a little bit longer than that, maybe six, seven years, that now we can evolve this conversation that, yeah, it was for sure the nickelback when it was um, a lot more I don't know, traditional <laughs> to spread concepts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause, uh, and now the spread concepts have become so complicated and so evolved that I think now you're seeing the defense and give, you know, John Heacock some credit there for popularizing uh, the three high safety look. Uh, but now, yeah, just to really adapt to and adjust to the ever evolving cheat codes that the offenses continue to utilize you need that three that basically what that nickelback used to be to be more flexible. Yeah. The nickelback just wasn't it, it wasn't malleable enough. And the he, three the three the third safety lets you be malleable. You can go now I can drop you deep high. I can put you down in the box. I can put you in the slide. Like basically just gives you more freedom with that nickel. The nickel too like the the thing with the, the with the middle safety and that three safety defense too, the thing that you like about the nickel is he's really hard for you to account for. Like you can't run away from him based on alignment, just alignment alone. You mm-hmm. can line him up, you know, right off the right off the defensive end. You can line him up on a hash on that ins on that uh, third receiver, whatever. The thing that you like about the middle safety and like the textbook example is, and I want I don't know what happened to this guy at the next level or whatever, but Greg Eisworth was the perfect middle safety for oh, that John Haycock defense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't you can't you can hide him very well. Yep. You can't run away from him. You can't scheme plays away from him yeah. because. Based on the way that defense works, he's gonna find the football mm-hmm. wherever it goes. Yeah, that three high to me is kind of the defensive equivalent to the RPO, and I always say the RPO is a truth that tells a lie, right? It's you th- you think it's a run, it's actually a pass. You think it's a pass, mm-hmm. actually run, depending on how you want to play it. Uh, you pick your poison defense. That's why the three high works really well against Sark's offense because Sark describes his offense as an RPO passing game. Yeah. And all right, what's the what's the whole purpose of the RPO? Well, I count the defenders in the box. I make the right count. That determines whether I hand the ball off or whether I pull it and I make the quick game pass. Yep. And it's hard to make that definitive count when that dude's moving around and it's like, well, Coach said he'd be here. Blurring he the numbers. Six. I think we got six. But he's eight oh, yards no. off the ball, and you can't exactly. tell. Yeah. So it it is the defense way of the, it is a defense truth that tells a lie. It's mm-hmm. like no, you thought you had the advantage of numbers in the box, but you don't, and that's why. And Sark's offense is getting better versus it, but still overall, his offense is probably average like nine points less per game when they face a three high safety look as opposed to more of a traditional two high yeah. or a single. The high other look. thing to that too, 
it's really hard to get a zone running game going against that three safety defense. I like to see uh, that because it's a slower developing play. That mm-hmm. middle safety can read it for a little bit longer, and he can yeah. get there. And he's got better sights of it. Yeah, that's why he's coming down usually from because from, yeah, from we know Tom Tom Herman loved zone zone runs mm-hmm. inside zone outside zone whatever. And that's why it really felt like when they faced that three safety defense, like they were beating their heads against the wall. They're like, no, there's three safeties on the field. We should be able to run the football. This look is designed to run the football. Well, yeah, but if you're like kind of slowish developing run plays, then you're just, again, yeah. you're slamming your head against the wall. You're falling for the lie, man. The, the <laughs> things, the, the type of runs that work against that. Go back and watch the second half of the Iowa State game. The runs that were working, it's got to be quick hitters. It really, like you said, Rod, it really eliminates the RPO. It eliminates yeah. manipulated action at the mesh point. Yeah. It's got to be decisive. It's got to be back. fast. You want to yep. go it's, back to old school power football. It's got to be downhill. Yeah, yeah like downhill. if you're going to beat us, yeah. you're going to beat us running the football yep. downhill, Powers, trying to smash yep. us in the mouth. Totally agree. That's exact kind of reverse back to, which a lot of teams are, we talked about it, right, with the new evolution of the game. A lot of teams are uncomfortable with smash mouth football. You see in the NFL, we talked about mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. teams are now going back. That's the counter to go back to no pun intended, a counter, and go back to power football because teams are now built and constructed their defenses to defend the outside zone, to defend the zone running game. They can run sideline to sideline. You got DeMarvion Overshones all over the damn place. What can mm-hmm. DeMarvion Overshone, what does he, uh, what is he, what is he actually uh, struggle against? It's the power running game, running right at him. Big man right in his damn face. Mm-hmm. Defenses aren't built for that anymore, so make the defenses have to defend that, and that's basically, if you're an offense that can go back and forth, that's what you want to be able to do. Yeah. And most offenses, you know, you just don't really have the personnel to go back and forth those you know, types of styles. Your, your runs, your runs that work are like it's their, their gap schemes, but it's almost like, Rod, you remember like growing up playing peewee and maybe even high school football, like just the old school wedge play. It's like, hey, mm-hmm. you're going to get a tackle guard double team. Boom, boom. You hit it up mm-hmm. in there and you get what you can. Get what you you, you can. bury your face in there and you try to get you four or five yards. And every that's night and you pop it. That's, <laughs> what that, that's what that defense, yeah, that's what that, and if you got a guy like Bijan who can, Who's a rare breed that can see it and can jump cut accordingly? Yeah, he might turn that wedge that's play. That's why Rojo also becomes a better uh, option. Yeah, against yeah. those teams. He might turn that wedge that. play into eighteen. But but Rojo, to your point, Rod, that wedge play might be designed to get you four. Hell, he might get you seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's well, about being adaptable. Something it just triggered we in my mind. we talking about power that, football in this podcast. It makes the football <laughs> soul feel Well, and that cold. sort of triggered this. Well, it was, it was something I was thinking <laughs> about a lot during, uh, like, around Super Bowl time because you had, like, what, two weeks to break down one game and all the focus on the Kelsey brothers. But, like, we always talk about defensively changing the pitcher. And, you know, so what the idea that the three-safety look does and it blurs those lines and mm-hmm. changes the pitcher for the offense. And those are the type of things that when you watch, like, say the NBA and the Heat tonight, they're totally possession by possession might be zoned. Then they might throw in, they'll go man to man and just try to change up the looks to keep you off balance. And we always talked about the thing that made like say Tom Herman's offense so predictable was like he never changed the picture and it simplified the process for the offense. But like the thing around the Super Bowl that fascinated me in watching the way that the Eagles play they would do because it would be a lot of stuff that you normally see you're pulling guards or whatever, you know, and you could see Shano doing stuff that's amazing. But, like, Philly's, like, the only team that has a center that's their pulling center. And he has – Jason Kelsey is so athletic that instead of doing it with the guards, 
They did it with their center, and it changed the way that the linebackers and the safeties and all their alleys and everything they do because it's just one tiny adjustment, and you don't have that many amazing, you know, centers that are athletic enough to do it. Mm -hmm. But just that one difference makes that offense so much more optimal. Makes it so unique. Yeah, exactly, and you don't know what you're seeing. And that tiny, when we were talking about hesitation earlier, those are the little type of things that if you can get a transcendent talent, it's why, like, Kelsey's the highest-paid center in all of football. But those little things that can change the picture for your opponent that then make them not only – maybe be confused and disguise what you're doing, but make him hesitate. That's yep. all you really need in football because you lose that split second and you hit a hole and they're gone. Okay, the last thing that I want to cover, um, and this is really interesting to me, when you look at that Athlon preseason All-America team, I mentioned Jalen Ford as a third-team All-American. He's the first Big 12 defender that shows up. And you go down to the fourth team, and the Big 12 defenders are Byron Murphy, Jalen Catalan. I thought there was one. Yes, Josh Newton at TCU. So basically you have first, second, third, fourth team defense. You've got four guys from the Big 12. Mm. Rod, please don't tell me nationally that there are still some media members Mm. that have this flawed, preconceived notion that there is no defense played in the Big 12. There shouldn't be any more, right? Be. Yeah, I mean, it could I just be a down. It, it could just be a down year for defense. Like I said, I haven't done the deep dive. I'm the trying to national think of a, championship game didn't help that but, image. Oh, do it did not. <laughs> but who? Okay, who's the who are the best defensive players returning in the Big Twelve? Um, does TCU return that corner? Josh, Josh Newton. Newton returns. He's yeah. a good player. He should be there. Jalen Ford obviously is in that conversation as well. He's a good up player. front is where it really gets kind of got to have a lot yeah. there. Yeah, so exactly. Right. Well, like I, Johnny Hodges at TCU, Colin Oliver at Oklahoma State. Uh, Colin know, Oliver's a good if, player. If Catalan's healthy, Kendall Daniels, I like what he does at Oklahoma State. Oh, maybe one of those two Oklahoma guys, Downs or, or Stutzman. That Oklahoma defense, I don't think it can be worse than it was last year. Maybe yeah. it can be. Um, yeah, and there's always a K-State DB that's in that conference. K-State's deep, yeah. defensive backfield has been really By the way, lifetime long Van lately. Malone coaching that secondary. Yeah, they've been doing a really mm-hmm. good job. Jake Julius Brents was the latest. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 mean, I guess maybe it's just a down year. I, I'm with you. I think if they're basing that off a reputation, then that's a severe miscalculation. But, honestly, and I love PK, I, must, I think PK's 2021 strategy about defense – was also kind of based on a stereotype of yeah. mm-hmm. miscalculation of what he thought the Big 12 was. And as we, I've always said, Big 12 is a running league right now. It's disguised and cross-dressing as a passing league. I think he thought it was a passing league, and I think it took him by surprise. They bring in GP. GP breaks down the ecosystem of the Big 12 form, and I think now he has a lot more informed uh, game plans and ed, yeah. you know, and game plans that are more effective. So it, it maybe that is. It still could be some of that. Maybe it's a little bit of both. Okay, I just didn't didn't know. Just wanted yeah. to get that out there. Get food for thought for the listeners as mm-hmm. they uh, check out this yeah. podcast. Uh, but it'll be listeners talking amongst themselves and thinking amongst themselves because we are out of time. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod, be appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. For Matt Farad, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049 1019 AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you get Rod B each and every weekday on Ball Don't Lie from 3 to 7. Shameless plug. You can also get myself and Craig Way on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, get our archives, our classic interviews and shows are on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Search Horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcast. That's Horns, the number two, the number four, the number seven. No dashes, no slashes, no spaces. Click that follow button when you find it to get every episode of The Blitz when it drops. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.